You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, my name is Sean Tice. Welcome back to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. So excited to have my guest today, Tim Schneider. Thanks for being with us today, Tim. You're welcome, Sean. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Tim and I met a few weeks ago. I was on uh, with Pastor Gary Dahl on the Stand, Stand the Gap radio program. And you had mentioned, I was sharing my story about fodlessness, and and you had mentioned that you grew up fodless. And so we connected. And I said, hey, why don't you come on the show to let's talk about fodlessness and share your story. And so here we are. And it's so excited to, to have you with us to be able to share your story. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am from New England. I'm looking at your Steelers um, helmet behind you. And I'm a New England sports fan in many ways, except for the Boston Celtics. Not really there. I kind of left the NBA many years ago, but I was a Bulls fan in the 90s. So I guess when everybody else was a Bulls fan, too, with Jordan and Pippen and all the great the great team there. But um, I like my New England sports, except for I come from Connecticut. And the only thing Connecticut was really known for was a team called the Hartford Whalers. They were in the NHL for a number of years, but they left like 20 something years ago. So Connecticut has no professional anything. I think they have a WNBA team if we we pay attention to the WNBA, you know, but uh, the Connecticut Huskies have been really good for a number of years, the college basketball team for the men's and women's. So I guess we could say that's kind of what we we've got, but um, cold up there a lot of the time, you know, I, I went around to a number of other places because I joined the air force when I was 18 years old. And it took me to a couple of different states and also around the world. And so now I landed in Pennsylvania and I've lived here now longer than anywhere else, even Connecticut. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to just talking a little bit more about my life today and just uh, having a good time. And thank you once again for allowing me to be here. Now you're in the middle of the state, so I mean, you should be an Eagles fan, right? That usually Lancaster area, there, uh, Harrisburg, <laughs> Lancaster, they're on the line. You know, usually there's a lot of Eagles fans over there. Which, hey, they're pretty good right now. So it's I very mean, interesting. Might... It's very interesting here because, like, it's a mixture. Yes, it should be Eagles, but we have Steelers fans, and then even the Ravens are wow. from Baltimore. They're also infiltrating this area too. So wow, we've kind of got terrible. the three there. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, we know how much you we know how much you love the Ravens. <laughs> no, no. I actually met met Ben Roethlisberger last year. I was in an event, and he was at the we were as the fathering event that I go to every year. And he was there with his wife. And I asked him. My my son wanted me to ask him. He said, "Ask him what is his his favorite person to play against was." And he said, "The Ravens." He said it was you know it was always so horrible, but <laughs> yeah, terrible, terrible. Um, but I am a, yeah, I'm a Steelers fan, and. I'm sorry, your Patriots are doing they're doing pretty bad this year. It might be Belichick's uh, last last run, but we'll see what happens. Um, it may. We've had, Steelers, we've had time. Yeah, our Steelers are pretty pretty bad this year, anyways. But <laughs> but anyways, coming back to uh, Stand the Gap Media, um, the American Pastors Network. Tell us a little more about that. Tell us about your the organization. I work for an organization called the American Pastors Network, and we have a media ministry through it called Stand in the Gap Media. And basically, it's composed of TV and radio. Our radio program called Stand in the Gap today is aired Monday through Friday, usually is live from about 12 to 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We're carried on over 400 stations nationwide, either live or syndicated throughout the day. We also have a TV arm of things that carries a TV program that's on a bunch of different cable networks. And so that's I don't do a lot with the TV besides some social media stuff, loading the program on YouTube, things like that. But um. That's basically our bread and butter. You know, we have the TV, we have the radio, and um, I do the producing for the radio program, and I do some social media stuff 
And I also am responsible for our app and a, a number of other like roles I play within the organization. Okay. Yeah. That's wonderful. Now the America Pastors Network, what is that? That's, is that just a, is that, it's a gathering of pastors or a network, digital network or? Uh, it's led by my boss. His name is Sam Rohr. He was a former state representative for about 18 years here in Pennsylvania. He also ran for governor here in 2010 and also ran for U.S. Senator here in 2012. Unfortunately, did not get elected to either one of those roles, but he uh, got a calling from the Lord about 10 years ago that said, it's time to start a pastor's network. And actually this year we're celebrating 10 years of that. And basically it's equipping pastors to be able to be in the public square and talk about the issues of the day from a biblical perspective and have a biblical worldview and the importance of that. And so that's what we do with the American Pastors Network through the radio and TV programs and state chapters and a bunch of other things that we're involved with. That's awesome. And I once I heard about that from Pastor Gary Dahl, I'm like, we need to get connected to that with our, our resources for fatherless families. And so, yeah, I'd love to see how we're going to work together. I know you have an yes, event sir. coming up with your ministry. Um, I'm not going to be able to go to it because we're going to be getting ready to travel. But yeah, I would love to, the 10-year anniversary, right? That, that's exciting. Um, Michelle Bachman's going to be there. and Yeah, our 10th anniversary. Anna? We're going to have um, Michelle Bachman. She was a former congresswoman from Minnesota, also ran for president in 2012. Now she's the dean of um, business at Regent University in Virginia. And then we're also going to have George Barna. If you've been around Christian world, you know about George Barna. He's been pulling the church for 40 or something years, it seems, or something like that. He's been doing it for a long time. And his, obviously, um, research is valued. And he's going to be there speaking. And it's just going to be a great night of just praising God for what the last 10 years have been for our ministry and seeing what the Lord is going to do in the future. And actually, it's a free event. And um, if people would be interested, um, they could go to AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. And they could find out more information. It's actually two weeks from yesterday. So now it'll be um, about less than two weeks away now. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is going to air after that, but oh, maybe, okay. maybe the next one, but it's fine. Uh, maybe the next one, but you know, definitely if you're a pastor listening to this, check out the American Pastors Network. It's it's a, probably a, a resource you could use to, to, to help with you. I know they cover the different issues that are going on today, but going back to with you, Tim, Tim, going back to your story, um, I just want to really focus on that and talk about that um, because I, I love expounding on thoughtless stories because when we do that, when we dissect them, I think it helps people understand what it's like to grow up fatherless and they they learn how to overcome it themselves or they learn how to minister to people that are going through that. And so just go back to your childhood. Tell us about your story of of fatherlessness. All right. I was born in Connecticut and I was born to a family that really, I always say this, I share this testimony in prison because the Lord has allowed me to go into the prison here locally in Pennsylvania and Lancaster and share my testimony through my church. So we go then once a month and have a service. But I was born to a family that I say is not your typical example of an American family. My dad was an alcoholic, and he severely would beat my mom and not remember the next day what he would do. And um, my mom just one day looked at me and said, can't have this type of life anymore for you, because my dad was a man that was in and out of prison. He was very just um, very much a wild card. I'm an only child, don't have any brothers or sisters. So it was just me and my mom. And my dad. And one ironic thing is that Halloween just passed and that was their wedding. They were actually married on Halloween in prison because my dad was in jail during that time. So it's a very interesting, weird story. And one that I probably attribute to the fact that even though they never were divorced, they never were, they were not together for most of my life. 
And so it's just a crazy that like my mom had to deal with this. And so when I was like two, she decided that it was time for me to not be around that anymore. So she left him. She tried to make a good life for me as much as she could. She suffered from manic depression and bipolar disorder with bouts of schizophrenia. So that made for some very interesting times growing up. There'd be times where my mom would think she was being shot at. She would think that people were chasing her down the road, trying to steal her groceries because if her medication wasn't correct, there would just be a whole bunch of issues. And so my mom tried her best to raise me as best as she could. There was a period of our time where we were homeless. We would roam the streets during the day looking for food and clothing. And then at night we would live in the homeless shelter. So it was probably about a three to six month period of my life when I was super young. We lived in interesting houses along the way. There were houses with like cockroaches and like holes in the ceiling and just a whole bunch of different things. And it was just, my mom could not hold a steady job because of her illness. So she tried her best. She had, was on welfare, social security, did her best to try to raise me, but it wasn't always easy because of that. And once again, my dad was never in the picture because of the fact that he left my, excuse me, my mom left when I was about two years old for, with him, with me from him. And uh, we didn't really have uh, an engaging relationship for most of my life. Wow. So you, you've been through a lot. Um, that's, that's a powerful story. Now I'll go back to how did, how did your mom and dad meet then? So if you got married in prison, how'd they meet? You know, to be honest with you, my mom just passed away uh, 17 years ago. My mom passed away this past October. Mm. And so we just um, recognized her 17th anniversary. But my mom never actually told me what, how they met because I always wondered. She's like, I met your dad. And I said to myself, well, okay, how did you meet my dad? And she wouldn't really tell me. So I thought for a while, maybe she was a prostitute or something. I just couldn't, you know, you try to piece things together as a, as a person. And you're like, I can't figure this out. This is what makes logical to me. But about a year ago, I have a really good friend who was instrumental. He's a pastor at the time in Connecticut, and he was instrumental in helping lead me to the Lord. He's no longer a pastor, but he worked in the state system up there in Connecticut in the mental hospitals, because that's where my mom was at times. And so I found out that actually my mom and my dad met because I guess he was in one of these state mental institutions or hospitals at one point, and that's where they actually met. So that is the story. And I did not know that for most of my life. And even after my mom died, that was something she would never tell me because maybe she was embarrassed or something like that. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, so now do you remember any of that with your dad? I mean, since he, you were two years old, whenever your mom took you away or? Uh, I don't remember my mom being beat up by my dad. I, my coherentness at that time was not, I could not remember that part of the story, but I do remember meeting my dad about uh, 10 years later or so. The one time he tried to re-enter my life because my mom wanted him to, but I had so much bitterness and hatred in my heart towards him that I didn't even want that to happen. So I have a vision in my head of my dad because I have seen him. I even have like one picture of him. It's like he's serving a volleyball at a church picnic that he was at at my church at the time, but he, uh, I haven't seen him since. And now we're talking about 20 something years, at least that him and I haven't been in contact. Is he still in prison or is he out? I believe he's out. But like I said, he ran into so many run-ins with the law that we thought he, he was also an immigrant from Germany. Oh. So he may have actually been deported and sent back because they're like, well, we don't have anything to do with you. If you're not going to be a good substantive member of society here, we, we have no need for you. So we'll send you back to Germany. So 
Not exactly sure. I have been doing some research into this, and I think there's a possibility that he's been closer to this area, or at least he's been in the United States in the last 10 years. But um, we're not exactly sure oh, exactly what his pathway's been. E, um, what is it called? Ancestry. I was about to say eHarmony. Ancestry.com actually um, came and said, I can find a lot of his paper clips and news reports of him in prison and getting arrested by the law, but I couldn't find very much about his background and everything. So it's kind of been a, a failed end in that situation, at least. Yeah. And the thing is, and I think what you're, what you're saying is very interesting too, because no matter how old you are, you're still curious about your birth father, right? I mean, that's the way mm-hmm. I was for me. I even knew, my dad lived in Las Vegas. I knew he was out there, but I, and I was still, but I was still curious. I was just, I wanted to, and there's that, there's still that longing in your heart to, you want them to want a relationship with you. I mean, is that the way you feel? Yeah, most certainly. You know, it, I, I'm thankful for men in my life. One of the big parts of my story are men in my life that came in and became a father figure to me that my dad never was. And so men that would take me and show me things like taking a bath, because I, at one point in my life, didn't want to take a bath. I didn't want to do something that was pretty basic for most people, but they had to like coerce me with rewards and things like that. And one of my friends that was instrumental in leading me to the Lord, he was able to do that. Plus other men in the church also just kind of step in that gap that I didn't have because of my dad. And I my mom did her best, but you know, you can only do so much when you're a, a woman and you're basically trying to raise a kid, especially when you have a mental illness of your own. So, you know, my dad was never really there to show me those things, but I'm thankful for other people that did step in and actually were able to help and be instrumental. And I, I really credit them to leading me to where I am today. We're all about that with our ministry. People fill in the gap. Yeah. And I think that's now, Tim, is there anybody in your life still that you had mentors? You, you mentioned that pastor that you had whenever you were younger. Is he still in your life or is anybody else that's still kind of helping you uh, as an adult man? Uh, yes, there are. There are certainly the ones that were there. And when I was in Connecticut living with my mom and she was going through those things. Um, unfortunately, one of those men uh, was a very good man to me, him and his wife and their family took me in many times when my mom had illnesses. Unfortunately, he was a he was a lawyer who eventually became a judge in Connecticut and then died of a really rare disease about two years after my mom passed. But he was really instrumental and his family was and I'm still in touch with them today and their family and they're still like second family to me. I go home over the holidays up to Connecticut to see them and other people up there. But he's still the family's still instrumental. Unfortunately he's no longer here. His name was Skip and uh, we really do obviously miss him a lot. He was a good man. But there's another couple down in North Carolina that still are very instrumental to me. And I still consider like second family to me. And there are also a couple of men um, at my church that I've gotten to know since I lived here in Pennsylvania that I still go to. And I do consistently go to for wisdom. And that man that actually was the pastor originally, he was the one that I just actually talked to about a year ago and um, actually even saw him a couple of months ago also and we still keep in touch and he's uh he's a good man he's helped me out a lot and actually he helped me recently with some possibilities and maybe some leads because part of my story is i'm still looking for my father so and if i if i'd like to get some closure as to whether or not he's alive or if he's no longer living so he's helped me out a little bit with that too so yeah those people are still active in my life and i still go to them for advice so i'm very thankful for those fatherly figures that are definitely there for where my dad couldn't be. So, so going back to two years old, um, you 
Yeah, and it's great about having his mentors are definitely yeah. key people. But back to two years old, your you know your mom decided, hey, it's time for me to get away from this guy because he's just not healthy for us. Was she in a state of? And her medications were working fine. And she was, I mean, honestly, it sounds like she was, she was doing good at that time, right? I'd say so. Yes. Because at that time, you know, she was probably, uh, actually she would have been in her mid thirties. My mom had me late in life, but I'm still, I would say she was probably still pretty much cognitive and all that in her medications. You know, I think she was still, I think she was taking them and I don't know exactly when she was diagnosed with her bipolar and her schizophrenia and stuff, but, um, I know later in life, there was other things, obviously, that happened in spells that I would call them that she had when she would be off her medication. And then she'd like go to the police and say that she had been shot and things like that. But clearly she hadn't. But at that time, I would say, yes, she was certainly, um, I would say, pretty much in her right mind and able to make rational decisions. That's good. And so from go from there on then. So your dad was gone. How, what did you, what did, what did she do? What, what changes did she make to kind of get away from your dad? And you said you were homeless for a while. You went, what did you guys do? What, what, what was the journey then? Well, like I said, we, my mom took off with me. We lived in a number of places throughout a couple of towns in Connecticut. Uh, my mom didn't hold a normal full-time job because of her illness and probably because of me. So we basically went to a bunch of different houses some of them weren't the best living conditions. And um, my dad was obviously not in the picture. I don't even think he gave her child support that I think about because I never remember her mentioning child support. But certainly there were times where things were interesting. I actually had a period where I said we were homeless. I was in a foster home two times also. I was with foster parents. And ironically, one of those foster parents became really good friends with my mom after that foster parent gave that me back to my mom. So, and they were really good friends. That particular foster family was, but I was in two foster families and they both were pretty decent. They were good people. I don't remember any bad situations with them, but so my mom got me back. My mom's brother, who is my uncle, had a significant role in getting us off the streets and actually into a stable house up in the town where I actually lived most of my life when I was in Connecticut. And then one day we were walking down the street and uh, we saw a sign that said free clothing. We had grown up Catholic, but we didn't really know Jesus. We knew a lot about the Catholic church, but we didn't know a lot about Christianity per se. And so we went to that church. It turned out to be a evangelical church. Shortly after that, my mom and I gave both gave our lives to the Lord. And, um, you know, it didn't mean my life was ever much better. I dealt with behavioral issues um, I would throw desks and chairs in school. I made people's, um, I made parents very afraid for their children to the point where they wanted to put me away because it was just so, I would tackle teachers. I would flip desks with kids in them, just behavioral issues. I went to three different schools in third grade just to be able to deal with, um, you know, just to be able to kind of get along for that one particular year. And so I had behavioral issues. It was, it was evident and but thankfully things leveled themselves out as time went along. But my mom never had a lot of money. I can even remember a Christmas where the only thing I got for Christmas was a video rental from the local video store back in the day when we used to have VHS rentals. Yeah. But um, so it, it never was. My mom did her best. She did what she can by the grace of God. I'm thankful for that. But obviously I had my own scars and wounds to deal with. And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how my, my, 
childhood was until I uh, graduated high school and entered the Air Force. So yeah, go from there. So you went through all these things when you were a kid and and you were able to overcome. Now, did your local church help during your, your childhood and teen years? Did they help kind of help you get through that? Yeah, when we finally went to that one church where we saw the sign that said free clothing, it turned out to be, like I said, an evangelical church. My mom and I started attending. We became very involved. The one man who uh, I, st- I still consider a really close man in my life to this day, um, him and his family were really instrumental during that time. And then as were other people in the church I ended up going to afterwards, my mom and I did, we would spend um, a lot of holidays with them, with a bunch of different families that I particularly mentioned before. And then also, you know, they would just help my mom and I out when needed. Uh, with the night, my mom, my mom had an incident where she one day accused me of pushing her down the stairs and I was clearly not there. I was at football practice. And so I came home to a cop being on my doorstep saying, your mom's accusing you of pushing her down the stairs. And I'm like, officer, I wasn't here. I was at football practice. This is impossible. But it's because my mom's issues with her medication that I would get accused of things like this. Mm-hmm. And then we went to church like a couple of days later, and it turned out that my mom was within hours of passing away. She There was a couple of times where my mom almost died when I was in high school because of her issues with her medication. But thankfully, by the grace of God, there was people that had stepped in, particularly the church and some other things to help that from happening. So the church was really instrumental in my my adolescent raising until the time I did able to leave and go away. Now, I, I just saw The Blind last night for the first time, the, mm-hmm. the, the movie with Phil Robertson, Duck Dynasty. It's great. You, you had mentioned you saw that a couple of times. Obviously, yeah. the story there must really relate to you, right? Oh, you- yeah. I, I saw parts of it because... My mom was not like Phil Robertson's mom. She was not like that, thankfully. But Phil Robertson's mom in that movie was just very, and I don't want to give away the plot because I highly recommend everybody see that movie. But certainly I I thought about it when I was watching those scenes about how she just, you know, that one scene where she's coming home and where he's out like fishing. And then all of a sudden he comes home and he sees the ambulance come in to take his mom away. And you know, they're like, she didn't do anything wrong. You know, that wasn't my mom, but I can certainly see that as I was yeah. watching that. Certainly, you know, because it was certainly tough at times to see my mom in her condition. But I'm thankful by God's grace that he he gave her, you know, 28 years of her life to me. Mm. And um, thankfully uh, allowed her to, to raise me plus other people too. So I'm certainly yeah. thankful for that. So you see, and that's, and, and I'm sure it was really challenging because you went through not just your dad being gone, but also your mom at times was, was not there. And so that, that's, that's hard. And it's, it's hard to, to deal with that. Um, yeah, I understand. I lived with my grandparents uh, and, and I had to go through that time where my mom lived in another house. And so I understand that. And so your, your, your parents are both gone and, but, how did you go from that to, hey, I'm going to go into the Air Force? And what made you decide to do that? Uh, because of the fact that uh, one of the men that was, uh, he was like a second father to me, and I still consider him like a father figure in my life. He was a recruiter. And so I was a junior in high school, and he started saying to me, well, I knew he served in the Air Force because I was good friends with him and his son and their family. And he basically, um, he said, why don't you see what you want to do with the rest of your life? Because I wasn't exactly sure at that time. 
what exactly I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I had no inkling of wanting to go to college. I just knew I wanted to get through high school and figure it out afterwards. So I thought at one time I wanted to be an accountant. That was stupid. I never, I'm not that good on numbers. So I never would have been really good <laughs> with that. I can balance my checkbooks. So thankfully I do well enough with basic numbers, but I took a couple of accounting classes in college and I was horrible, but he basically had me take the test. And when I got through that my senior year in high school, um, I had taken the ASVAB and I decided because of his honesty and another gentleman in my church that was also recruited, was very honest. Um, I, jo I joined the Air Force because I was like, what do I have to lose? I'm not going to sit in this town for years afterwards and stay, get stuck here. I'm not saying that yeah. town was was bad there in Connecticut. I still go home and to Visia at least once a year. I was just up there in July, you know, but it, I needed somewhere else. And so thankfully, these men were honest because recruiters aren't always honest, but thankfully he was. And so they helped me say, okay, go ahead and try the Air Force. It became a 22-year career, got me a master's degree and a bachelor's degree, helped me see the world, preserves our freedom as Americans, and meet some really good people along the way. So I'm thankful for that. That's awesome. I love that because it, it, yeah. you had a mentor that said, hey, why don't you try this? And he was giving you guidance on it. And then he gave you an opportunity. You pursued it. You went after it. And now you're successful. I mean, you're you're living success. And, and you're, I met you through a radio program that you're producing. Yeah. And so I, th I think it's really, really wonderful that you're, you know, you're working through this because so many people become a statistic and you're, you're saying, Hey, I'm good. And even how, what you said about, Hey, I, I was, I was, had so much trouble with a child that they were going to put me away. And, but now look at you, you were in the military, you, you served and thank you for your service. Um, and, and you, you're building a life that is, what we call, we break the cycle. You're breaking the cycle in your own life. Yes. And so uh, I'm just thankful that you, you're you climbing that mountain and, and and we're cycle breakers, right? That's what we do. Yeah, and so Lord. we're just trying to help lead other people. So what would you say to somebody that's out there right now that is, you know, they're, they're, they're young and they're trying to figure life out. And what would you say to them how to overcome, you know, dealing with being thoughtless? I know you had your journey. What would you say to them? I would say to them, please know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you're not going to get anywhere if he truly is not your savior, but also your Lord and you surrender to him. You're not going to know um, the, the reason or really the roadmap to success. Truly, it's about following Jesus and realizing that we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. That's why Christ had to die on the cross for our sins. And if you don't know Jesus, that's the starting point. Of course, I knew Jesus, and I still had to deal with this. You know, I was saved when I was nine, so I was saved over about 35 years ago. But still, I had to deal with this story even after being a Christian. And life isn't always going to be easy. We're going to have our issues. But obviously, Christ makes it better. And thankfully, if you don't have a good church, plug yourself into a good church. Get yourself involved. And also get some mentors in your life, get some people that can hopefully guide you. They won't always tell you everything you want to hear, but they'll tell you the things they, they need to, you need to hear because they care about you. So that would be my advice to people concerning how to be able to break the cycle and also how to have success. That's really good. That's, that's, that's such, such great advice. Jesus, it's all about, it's what, yeah. we're all about God is my dad. That's what we, we talk yeah. about. 
And it starts through, if you want to have a successful path, it starts through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and trusting in Jesus as your Savior. And I thank you for sharing that. That's so good. Now, you talked about pastors impacting your life. And as we we wrap up here, I want to finish with this. What would you say to pastors as they're working with students such as yourself? You know, you were you were troubled. You came from a a you know rough home. That's uh, what we would consider if you were the ministry um, yeah. as a pastor. Now you'd say this kid's coming from a rough home. What would you say yeah. to pastors that are working with a kid that was growing up like you? Um, like I was like that. I came from a rough home too. But what would you say um, to them to encourage them to keep going and to get involved in helping a child like yourself? Well, obviously, pastors have a lot on their plate. You know, we're just we just wrapped up October. You know, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. The statistics on pastors and what they have to deal with and what they go through is, is crazy. How many pastors feel discouraged and defeated and just don't feel like they're really doing anything or they're really doing anything significant is is a lot more than we realize. The burdens that a pastor have on them, we can't can't even imagine if they're being a successful pastor. And successful in ministry, you can't imagine the ways that the devil is targeting them. And so as a pastor, I appreciate what every single pastor does because it's a sacrifice, yeah. but they feel it's a calling. And I believe that if you're truly called, then that's where you're at. You're where God wants you to be. But in dealing with somebody like me or people like me, I just would say, get to know people. Hopefully, if you're a senior pastor, it might not be is easy, but if like you have another role within a church, like some other type of pastor, maybe a visitation pastor or even a youth pastor too, because I know youth pastors are instrumental also, very much so. Uh, just look for those people in, within your congregations or within your youth group, within your singles group, within your church, that hopefully you'll be able to find those people and find their stories and connect them either, either you as a pastor help, you know, try to be with them and meet with them or find somebody in the church that could be like a mentor. It could want to meet with them. Now that's, that they, that's figuring that they want to meet. Now they've got to be very open and willing to want to meet. But if those pastor, you know, if those people want to meet, then may those pastors be instrumental in just helping those people find those connections and ways to be able to, to get through some probably pretty tough stuff, I would say, it's definitely better to try to do it with people than it is to try to do it alone. Well, thank you, Tim, for being on with us today. And we we hope your your journey to find your dad or get closure on your situation with your dad goes goes well. And uh, we'll definitely be praying for that. But thanks for sharing your story with us today. It's definitely inspiring showing someone that went through a lot as a child, but you overcame it through God and through Christ. And so I'm so thankful that you were on. Would you just share a little more about yourself, where they can find you on social media, or even about your ministry, where they can find more details about that? Well, my life verse has become John 3, 16 and 17. And a lot of it isn't because it's the the banner man, we used to always say, would hold a sign up at a sporting event, John 3, 16. But it's because I've always felt that in life, it's because that's the gospel message in a nutshell. You know, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But I always like to tack on 17 onto that too, because it says, For God sent his son of the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Jesus brought us the connection between God and man, because without that, we would have never had a chance of being able to interact with the Holy God, because God can't deal with sin. And that's why Jesus had become a sacrifice, because without that, there was no uh, chance of that happening. So that's become my life verse, and I, I, I try to do my best to put that um, everywhere I go, 
you know, my emails, everything like that, because that's what I believe is an important message as far as spreading the gospel and also just doing that through personal interaction. But um, I don't really have a social media page per se, but I know that if people want to find out more about the American Pastors Network, they can certainly go to our website, AmericanPastors.net or StandInTheGapMedia.org. They can find out more about the ministry. And I, uh, you know, I was a radio veteran. Um, It's kind of ironic. I was serving in the military and on the side, I also was doing career in radio. I was a DJ for a number of radio stations on the side while serving in the military because I was four years active duty. Then then I served the other 18 in the guard. So the guard gave me more flexibility. But so I was, I did a lot with radio. And so I channeled the radio and the, um, the, the military aspect things. So that was good. I also got a, a certification and personal training. So I have a lot of things that the Lord has allowed me to do. Health and fitness are certainly something that's pretty important to me in my life also. But I'm thankful for everything the Lord has done. You know, I'm just hopefully hoping that whatever he continues to help me do, if hopefully within the next year or two, he can help me find my father, hopefully sooner than that, or at least get me some answers there, that would be great. And you know, we live in crazy times, but it's good to know that God is sovereign. He's in control. And we'll just we just always know that um, he knows what's going on. Nothing's going to happen today or happen yesterday or happens tomorrow comes as a surprise to him. He is completely in control. And I think that gives me peace during this time. And hopefully that could give you peace also because we're not in control of this thing. Only he is. So that's probably what I would have to say because I see our time is starting to wind down on us here. And no problem. Well, amen. And I appreciate you being on with us today. And we'll be praying for you to, to with your situation with your father. And we're just so, so thankful that you were able to, to be with us and to be able to share Thank your you. story. Thanks for being on, Tim. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate having the time to be here. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of Let's Talk About Fodlessness. We want to now challenge you to take the next step by either starting a single mom community group in your church or with your ministry, or by joining our network of God is My Dad churches and ministries. Isn't it a great experience to be able to start a single mom community group? Yeah, and it's just, if you talk to single moms, a lot of times what they'll tell you is, the one thing they're lacking is that community, just a group that they can go in and they know there's no judgment. You know, everyone may not have the same situation. Everyone doesn't know what they're going through, but they can go in and they know there's no judgment. And and it takes that kind of that restriction and that uh, wall down for them so that they can share and then that they can grow in Christ. And our single mom community groups are a wonderful ministry. If your church can start one, we'd love to have you. We can help you get set up. We have the curriculum and all the resources you need. If you can't start one, we'd love to have you start by by joining our network of churches and ministries, our God is My Dad network of churches and ministries, where you can get your church or your ministry on our map and people can find you and find find your ministry in your church so that they can get plugged into your church or ministry locally. So check that out. You can find all these resources at lifefactors.org. We have books, we have all kinds of content on there at lifefactors.org. Check it out today. <laughs>